0: Well, let's say recording. Uh, okay, so we're up to Daf Samach Dalid Ahmed Alif. We are four lines into the page. Uh, just to clarify one point, because I sort of stopped in the middle, which I probably shouldn't have. So the Gemara had, the last thing the Gemara had said was there was a woman who refused to be with her husband, not because she wanted to be vindictive, but because she said, Mo Salai. She said that I really don't want to be with him anymore. So the halacha was that if a wife says Mo Salai, we don't deduct slowly, but what we do is we force him to get divorced and she loses her ksuba. Now, she doesn't get her ksuba because we're always afraid that if she gets her ksuba, then every one, woman is just going to say, Mo's every woman is just going to say, I don't want to be married anymore. So she forfeits the ksuba. The question is, does she forfeit the 200 zuz or does she also forfeit the, the property she brings into the ksuba? So the case was a woman, this is the daughter-in-law of Rav Zvid, said about her husband that I'm done with him, I'm disgusted by him, I don't want to be with him anymore. And she grabbed a silk dress. So the question is, is that silk dress taken away? So the Gemara had two different versions of whether she forfeited her silk dress. So how do we pass it? Four lines of the page. Because we're not sure what the halacha is, when it's a monetary concept, whenever you're not sure, we, uh, we just leave it by the person who's holding on to it, right? So if she grabs the silk dress, we're going to let her keep it. But if she doesn't grab it and it's in his property, we're not going to give it to her. So that's the basic psaq. Agita, And, by the way, we postpone him getting divorced for 12 months. We want to give them one year because this is a scenario where she just is unhappy with her marriage. We want to give 12 months where they're separated just to give time to, to give them, you know, one last chance. It seems like from the Rishonim this was a later day addition from the Gemara because people were getting divorced on a, a little more rash. So give them 12 months where they could be separated. Uh, no, no, it's not, for, the Rishanim explained that this was a later Amaroic institution because people were getting divorced a little too hastily, so we give him 12 months. During those 12 months, he doesn't have to support her anymore. They could live separate, he doesn't have to give her any money, but we give 12 months before we grant the divorce because we want to make sure that everybody is uh, is on the same page. Okay not with hope for that they get back together. Huh? In that case, not for them to get back together. But. No, ho- hoping that oh. make, they can reconcile, give them 12 months, so that they, they know what they're doing. Okay. So, from here until the two dots, this is the basic sugi. The sugi is like this. We know that when he rebels or she rebels, there's a penalty. If she rebels, so she refuses to be with her husband, we give her a penalty, we deduct from her ksuba a dinar a day. If he rebels and in is not interested in being his wife, we get we, we penalize him that he has to add to the Ksuba three dinars a week. Okay, so the Gemara wants to know in what scenarios do we cause, do we add this penalty? So says the Gemara, rav tuvi bar kis shmuel. shmuel got up and he said, Mered we write a letter of rebellion meaning that was the official letter from the Bezin saying you're rebellious and we're going to start penalizing you so we penalize them al-arusa for a woman that's engaged meaning if you have a woman that's had Kedushin, but she's refusing to go through with it she's refusing to go through the nisuin. so then we we do add a penalty but we don't write a penalty on a woman waiting to do yibum. So we're gonna f- have to figure out exactly what the case is. But basically, if you have a woman that's waiting to do yibum, and one of them is refusing to do Yibam, either him or her, we have to figure out what. Let's go with a simple case. She's refusing. She's like, I'm not doing yibum with the guy. Okay, I'm not doing yibum. We we don't write a penalty. In marriage. So we write a we write a penalty if a woman that's engaged refuses to 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 go down the aisle. But we don't write a penalty if a woman has is waiting to do even she refuses, she really? refuses the aisle, just meaning 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 we write a penalty meaning she, 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 a penalty again obviously this is talking we have to again this is talking about a scenario where we feel that she's doing it not because she's psychological she is doing it to be vindictive so we write a penalty but we don't write a penalty if a woman is in, uninterested in even we don't write a penalty now the question is first you have to figure out what the case is and all that stuff. The Gemara says, "Wait a minute, We had this yesterday, staff. When do we write a penalty? Achasli Erisa. Whether she's Erisa, Nusua, Nida, Chayla, Shemeres Yavam. The Brysa clearly states that if a woman is not interested in doing Yavam, we do do a penalty. So, do we write a penalty? Do we penalize or not? It's a contradiction. The Brysa says yes. Shmuel says no. So, what's going on over here? So, like Kasha, Kansha who? Kansha he. The answer is it depends who's who's rebelling. Meaning, if he wants to do Yibam and she refuses, we write a penalty. If she wants to do Yibam and he refuses, we do not write a penalty. Why? Who wants to do Yibam in this case? She does. She's not obligated to have children. So, worst case scenario, so she's not going to have kids. It's not, it's not the end of the world. So, because she's not Machoyev and Perverivya, we're not going to penalize her. Now, there's a couple problems. First of all, now, uh, okay, so the Gemara eventually is going to clarify that she still wants to do chalitzah, I meaning you still have to do the mitzvah, but there's no penalty because she's not interested, she's not obligated to have children. So, if he wants to go through with it and she's refusing, we're going to penalize her. If he wants to go through with it and she's, and, and, and if she wants to go through with it and he's refusing, we're not going to penalize him. Why? Because, okay, so she's not obligated to prove her Now, for the record, let me read one more line and then I'll clarify a very, very simple shayla, Okay. So if she wants to do Yibam and he says no, we're not going to penalize him. Why? Because she's not obligated to have children anyway. See, here's the Gemara's kasha. Okay, wait a minute. Um, so you're telling me, okay, so when Shmuel said that a woman waiting yibum, we don't penalize, that's talking about a case where she wants to do Yibam and he says no. We don't penalize because she's not obligated to having children anyway. So, just do chalitza, I, she wanted to have children. So, what? So you're not obligated to have children. First of all, just a dictook thing. Hai kaisvinigaris married al irusa. It's lit arusa mi boile. So, it, it shouldn't say al erusa It should be lit arusa. Just for the record, just the dictook is if you're writing, if, if, if he's the one, if, if she's the one who's being penalized, then it should say lit arusa. So, the says, okay. Like kasha. Tani erusa So, change the gears, so make it work. Fine. But here's the kasha. Here's the kasha. Okay. According to Shmuel, a woman wants to do yibam and he says, no, we don't penalize him. Aye, he doesn't want to be with her. He doesn't want to marry her. He's not, she's not ever giving children anyway. Who cares? Okay. But if she did had kedushin and he refuses to walk down the aisle, then we do penalize him. Ksuba if you get divorced. Yeah. If he doesn't walk down the aisle, she doesn't walk down the aisle. We're gonna penalize them to do divorced, something. Basically. No not not yet, not until the actual get is written. We're gonna penalize them. But what is a penalize do? If you have to give less money or more money in the Ksuba. Uh, the penalty for if he's penalized and he has to add to the k'suba. If she's penalized, she loses some of the k'suba. So even though they're going to get divorced in a week. Yeah, well, we got it. now goes up to, to two hundred thirty k'suba. Potentially, yeah. That, so yeah. correct. So so here's the kasha. Shemeris yavam. You're not. If she wants to do yivam and he says no, we're not going to penalize him because she is not obligated to have children anyway. But kedushin and he's refusing to walk down the aisle, then we do penalize him. What's the difference? She's still not obligated to have children. So what's the answer? The answer is people want children not just because of the mitzvah puravu. She wants to have children to take care of her. And that's a legitimate reason. Mm-hmm. So then that's a reason for, for, to penalize him by Yibam as well. Now, by the way, the Ritavah just has a kasha. If you're saying that because she's not obligated to puravu, then there's no reason to penalize Then Why do you ever penalize? Like, if the guy we've had in the Mishnah, if the husband refuses to have intimacy with his wife, we penalize him. Why? She's not obligated to have children. So the answer is, once they're fully married, he's accepted that he has to take care of her, and part of the obligations is to have with with But this is talking about before the full marriage. This is after Kedushin or after Yib, uh, waiting for yibum. So the question is, what exactly is the difference? B- basically, in other words, like this. Shmuel is saying... If a case of kedushin, there's a rebellion, we penalize. In a case of waiting to do yibum, there's a rebellion, we don't penalize. What's the difference? That's the kasha. What exactly is the difference? So the gemara says. <sighs> so she's saying she wants kids not just because of the mitzvah, because she wants people to take care of her when she's older. So by yibum also, in other words. You have a brice, you have a shmuel shita, which is that if a man is waiting to do yibum and someone rebels, there's no penalty. But after Kedushin, if there's a rebellion and they don't walk down the aisle, there is a penalty. What's the difference? They're both not fully married. They're both, you know, women are not obligated to have kids, but they want kids. So what, what exactly is the difference? So the Gemara says, Loikasha, Khan Lachloitz kan Liyavin. The answer is, both talking, the answer is like this yibum. the reason why there's no penalty. Is talking, it, it just depends on what she wants and what he wants. Meaning, both cases is where he wants to do Yibam and she refuses. So, when is there a penalty and when is there not a penalty? It depends what she wants and what he wants. Meaning, if he wants to do Yibam and she refuses, no penalty. Why? Because we don't do Yibam anymore. If he wants to do Khalits and she refuses and she says, no, I'm only doing Yibam, then there is a penalty. So, that's the, the, the answer is. There, it, it, there is a penalty. The, both cases is where she's refusing to do what he wants. Just Whether there's a penalty or not, it just depends on what he wants. If he wants to do yibam and she says, no, I'll only do chalitza, no penalty, because she's right halachically. If he wants to do chalitza and she says, no, I'm only doing yibam, then there is a penalty, because she's wrong halachically. Okay. The Gemara, that's the Gemara. Saying. Now, the Gemara, for some reason, doesn't understand this, kasha so, this answer so well, so the Gemara amends it, and the Gemara says, wait a minute. Um kan lachlits kan lyab dramat Padasam Yokohana Tavalaklitz is Kokinloi, Tavaliab in is Kakinloi. So the Gemara says Mysh no Liabim Deloy Damrin La Zil Nisiv Itasakhrita Lachlitz Nami name Lazil Nisiv Itasakhrita El Damar Kivan Dagidebe Lo Yovle Akhriti Hokanami Kivan Dagidebe Lo Yovlachriti. It's in the Rashadam, it's hard to understand exactly what, what the Kasha is. But the Gemara is basically saying like this The Gemara's answer so far is whether there is a penalty both cases he wants to do Yibam and both cases she's refusing to do what he wants she's doing the opposite so whether there's a penalty or not, it just depends if he wants to do Chalitza and she wants to do Yibam, penalty he wants to do Yibam, she wants to do Chalitza, no penalty the Gemara under- doesn't fully understand why that is at this point, so the Gemara says I don't understand, in both cases, why can't you just tell the husband get another wife right? let's say he wants to do let's say he wants to do Khalitsa and she wants to do Yibam Right? Tell him to get another wife. He wants to do Yibam, Just get another wife. Why are you making yourself so crazy? What's the answer? You're not going to be able to get another wife when you're still bound to this woman. So the Gemara doesn't understand exactly what the difference is between wanting to do Yibam and wanting to do Again, the Rishayim are, are bothered by this because the answer is pretty obvious, but the Gemara just doesn't understand w- in, in both scenarios, why can't you just get another wife? the answer is because you can't because you're bound to this woman if you're bound to this woman so then why should it matter as long as she's rebelling there should be a penalty so the Gemara clarifies this and the Gemara's answer is very simple which is what we said before the Gemara says the answer is very simple and that is like this Originally, what were you supposed to do? You're supposed to do yibum, Because they were Mechav and L'shem Shemayim. As time went on, people started having other ulterior motives. And people started marrying their sister-in-laws because they, they, they thought they were attractive. And ever since then, they outlawed Chalitza. They outlawed Yibim and they only, they only enforced Chalitza. So the, the answer to the contradiction is as follows. The Brisa says... That in the case of Yibam we penalize, Shmuel said we don't. So how do you reconcile? The answer is both cases are identical. Both cases where the husband says, I want to do Yibam. And she says, no, I'm only doing chalitza. The question of when you penalize is originally, the Braisa said you penalize because the Bryce was talking about an era where Yibam was preferred. So he wants to do Yibam, she says no, we penalize. When Shmuel said we don't penalize, that's because Shmuel was talking about the later era where Chalitza is preferred. So, both cases is he wants to do Yibam and she's saying no. He wants to do Yibam and she said no. And whether we penalize or not just depends on what is the preferred method. If Yibam is the preferred method like it used to be and she's saying no, we penalize her. Later on, where Yivam became not the preferred method, and Chalitza is the preferred method, and she wants to do Chalitza, then she's not penalized. So both cases is where he wants to do Yivam, and she says, no, I'll only do Chalitza. And the question, when you penalize, is whether she's right. Okay. The Gemara continues. Now, the, the Mishnah said, you penalize her every day. A dinar a day. But Rav Yehuda said, a tarpik a day. Okay. So a tarpik was a different type of coin. So the Gemara just wants to know, what is a tarpik? So the Gemara says... My tarpekin, what are tarpiks? Amr Shesha Astira. A tarpik is an Astira. It's a type of coin. It's a type of uh, seller. The Kama Astira, how much is it valued? Palga dezuza half azus. Okay. Tarna mihachi, the Bryce similarly states are Vuda Oy tarpekin, or have you says that when we penalize the husband, meaning when he's wrong, we add to her ksuba three tarpikin a week, which is Teisha Main, which is the equivalent of nine Ma. These are different coins which amounts to a ma and a half each day. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, you penalize him ma and a half each day for six days of the week, which is three tarpikin. Okay. Here's a Kasha. Let's go with uh let's go with Yehuda. How many if, if if we're penalizing her, so she's losing money. How much does she lose a week seven tarpikian which is one per day including shabbos when he's being penalized and he has to add to the ksuba how much is he being penalized so we just said it's one and a half ma a day for six days we don't count shabbos so why is it that when she's penalized she's penalized even for shabbos seven days a week but when he's penalized he's only penalized six days a week right when he's adding to it and he has to go in, so each day he goes over to the Ksuba and he adds one and a half ma, one and a half ma, one and a half ma, Shabbos he takes off. But when we deduct it from her Ksuba, we deduct seven days a week. Well, what, what? Once adding, once adding. So, oh, so the Gemara says, <laughs> We go on the next page, The halacha is that on Shabbos you're not allowed to make money on Shabbos. So when you're deducting from her, you could deduct money on Shabbos. You could, you could lose money on Shabbos. But when he's adding to her Ksuba, we don't want it to look like she's making money on Shabbos. Even though it's technically muta because she's not making money from this, but because it looks like she's making money on Shabbos, we don't do it. That's the first answer. Amalei Rav, Rav Another If When he's penalized, how much is, how much, how much is she penalized? Seven Tarpikiyans a week. How much is he penalized? Three Tarpikiyans a week. It's like, whoa, whoa, she's being penalized way more than he is. They both did the same thing, which is he's refusing to have relations with his wife, she's refusing to have relations with her husband, yet she's being penalized way worse than he is. Forget about the Shabbos, non-Shabbos, just the value, it's double. So the Gemara says, why? why? So the Gemara says, You go to a, 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 a prostitution ring, you go, who, who's, 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 uh, who's hiring who? The men are hiring the women, or the women hiring the men? The men are higher than the women, meaning men have a taiva, men have a stronger taiva for relations than women do. So therefore, he's she's refusing to have relations to her husband. She's getting penalized seven in a week. He's refusing to have relations with his wife, three tarpekin. Why? Because when it comes to withholding relations, it hurts the husband more than it hurts the woman. So how's that? With the previous Kamara, that a woman wants it, and the man that, like... They want... It the I, know, around, I know, I know. I understand saying. exactly what you're saying. I think that there's, a, there's like a taiva and there's intimacy. She might want intimacy. She doesn't need to have relations very often. She just wants to feel close to her husband. The actual taiva, meaning withholding relations... it's more painful for the husband, so if she does it, we're penalizing her double. Another answer, the Gemara says, even physically, the fact that you could physically see the body change on the male externally when he wants to have relations, that itself is more embarrassing It also shows that the type is much stronger for men as opposed to women. Um, Now, here's the deal. We're going to start this next Mishnah. And, you know, I'm not going to scare you guys. I'll I'll, 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 I'll walk you through it. So the Mishnah says like this. is <laughs> Let's say, uh, the Mishra talks about this case. It's unclear why it has to be this case, but I'll tell you the case. We know that a husband has to supply food for his wife every week. That's one of the responsibilities of a husband. He has to put food on the table. Now, let's say she's not living at home. So he has to send her a, pa- a care package. She, she's away for the week, so he has to give her a package of food. What is the requirement? What is the actual amount of food? Not like, you know, oh, she wants a steak. What is the amount of food that the husband has to do to fulfill his obligation, minimum. Can yeah? you say money instead of food, or does have No, it could be money in, in the value, but it has to be the value of said food. What that is the food? Good. Exactly. So Enough meals. Enough what, 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 is, what is a meal? Can, can I give them 14 eggs and be like, oh, you make seven omelets? Like, what is... No, there has to be a certain amount of food. Why not? Why can't 14 eggs be good? It's, it's count. No. So you have to know, the point is, Chazal dictated a certain amount that's a minimum of food per week. Now, what is that amount? Uh, yeah, exactly. You have to have two cobs of wheat. Two cobs of wheat. Now, that's actually a very significant number because it's going to be all we're going to talk about for the next 15 minutes. Two cobs of wheat. Two cobs of wheat. I don't know. Two cobs of wheat. Uh, a cob is a volume measure equal to four lugs. A lug is a volume of six average eggs. Less one cob is 24 eggs. Okay. 24 eggs. So you have 48 eggs worth of flour. Two cobs per week. So two cobs will get you through. By the way, a week they used to have two meals a day, right? They used to eat two meals a day. So you're talking about seven days is 14 meals. Two cobs equals to 14 meals. That's incredibly significant. <laughs> exactly. We'll deal with that. That the Gemara is going to deal with in a little bit. Two, 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 uh, seven days, two meals a day, 14 meals. That's what you have to supply her with, and you're giving her two cobs, which means two cobs equals to 14 meals. Which is a little foreshadowing. No, it doesn't. Hence all the questions. But but two cobs equals 14 meals. Okay. Now, more than that, you have, that's, per, that's of wheat. Now, you got to keep going. Or a little less than four cups of barley. If you're not going to do wheat, you got to do barley, but you got to double it. The one who said uh, a barley as an option was Ravi, Shmol, and Ravi Yossi. And Rav said that's because Ravi Yossi lived near Edom, where they used to eat barley a lot. So, in his location, they used to eat a lot of barley. But if you don't come from that world, then barley is not really an option. Okay, now more than that, he also has to give her a half of kav of beans, a half of lug of oil, kav is a kav of dried figs, aymana or mona, which is another type of measurement of pressed figs. the mainland if he doesn't have figs, then find the equivalent size in other fruits. So you have to give her barley, carbs, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, fruits and vegetables mita uh, In addition, you have to supply her with a bed, a soft mattress, and a hard mattress. They used to have that, so they used to have a soft mat and a hard mat. You have to supply her with a, a mattress, that's part of the responsibilities of a husband. You have to give her a kerchief for her head. By the way, the Gemara will get into this. This could be the source of, of how they used to cover their hair with a sheitel, not a sheitel. So they used to wear a kerchief on the top of their head. So, some Rishan, and we're going to see this later on. Some Rishainen point out, you see, they didn't wear a shade, or they didn't wear a wig. They used to wear like a svaradish uh, kerchief, but we'll get to that. Chagor lamasna, you have to give her a belt. That's also part of the responsibility of her husband. She used to, a lot, she has, and you have to buy her shoes three times a year. Pesach you have to buy her shoes. Okay. You have to buy her um, clothes throughout the year that are valued at 50 zuz. So, you have to spend 50 zuz a year on clothes. You're not allowed to give new clothes during the summer. New clothes apparently back then were very heavy and very uncomfortable. Now, while they were very warm during the summer, not great. So you can't give her new clothes in the summer. You have to give her new clothes in the winter and 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 more used clothes in the summer. New clothes in the summer nobody wanted. And you're not allowed to give out worn clothes in the winter because. The worn clothes were thinner. Basically, you can't give thick clothes in the summer and thin clothes in the winter. That's that's not fair. So the El- would just wear thin thinner, Yeah, basically. Thin clothing summer and it, Basically. You have to give her new clothing worth 50 soles in the winter. And then she would just wear it and then as it would get thin, she used to turn that into the summer clothes. And once they get worn out to the point where they're not usable, she gets to keep it and they would uh, you know, turn into wicks or whatever they would do with it. Now, in addition to the husband responsible to give her food, he would give her a silver ma'a a week. That was a silver coin. Now, if he would do that, he would be, he would get the rights to all of her earnings. Now, they didn't have jobs back then, really, but what it means is whatever she does during the week. Let's say she's a, she's a seamstress. Anything that she sews, if you give the silver ma'a, you're you're have the rights to all of her earnings. That was the deal. If not, not. If you don't give her the silver Ma'ah, you don't have the rights to their names. But that was, that was the deal, that was understood. And they eat together every Friday night. Now even if this means physically they would actually eat together, which is that the husband and wife, are, are, she's uh, she can say to the husband, I want to eat with you Friday night. You, you can't go to your friend's meal, we have to eat together. Or this was an allusion to, this is a nicer way of the euphemism for the relations that the husband and wife used to have relations on Friday night. So that's a responsibility the husband has now if he does if he doesn't give her a silver then she gets her own earnings now what okay now again we have this a couple on on Chavez there's two responsibilities the husband has there's food and the silver coin in response of that in exchange for that you give her minimal minimal earnings and then excess earnings so what is minimal and what's excess so minimal earnings which is corresponding to the mizonos that you give her. Mishkal chamesh slaim she Yehuda. if Let's say she spins wool. So an example of main earnings, and then above that is excess, is she has to spin each week the weight of five slaim of warp thread in Yehuda. Shein esis slaim galil, which is equal to ten slaim in Galil. A certain amount of of so if she's if she spins wool for a living, so the minimal amount is ten slaims worth. Everything above that is excess. You give a silver coin, you get all the excess. You don't give a silver coin, you don't get the excess. You just get the initial main earnings. Now, if she's nursing, she's going to be working a lot less, so then everything is minimized. Then her requirement to supply the husband with earnings is obviously lessened because she's nursing. Um, He says, When is this true? Okay, now this list of food that we just got finished saying, which is two kav and this and that, that's all for a poor person. A wealthy woman who's used to a lot more food, the husband has to supply her with what she's used to. Okay. Now here's the deal. So, So, we said that you have to supply her with seven days worth of food, which is 14 meals, and the amount that you give her is two kav, two kav of wheat, which means two kavs equals to 14 meals. Now, here's the problem. It does not. Now, so this next gemara is a little bit tricky because it's all measurements. My brain doesn't work for this. So, no, no, no. Keep the gemara open. No, no, no. I'll just do it quickly. ready for today. No, no. So, so what happened was, I love, I love how you think the gemara is open. So the, the this same daf was repeated in Erevin Paybase. So I was like, oh, let me listen to my recording from Erevin Paybase." And as I listened to my recording, what my voice said was, I don't understand measurements, so I'm just going to read this quickly. So I have not, so there's no evolution. So seven years from now, there's no evolution in my mind at all. So let's just run through this. Basically, the math is... Two cobs of wheat equals to seven days' worth. The problem is, that's not accurate. Now let's run through it inside. Mani Masnison, who is the author of our Mishnah? Lo Rav Yochum and Baruchah, or Lo of Shimon. It doesn't work out according to Rav Yochum and Broka, and it doesn't work out according to Rav Shimon. Now this next sugya is a sugya in Erevin, and we know when it comes to Erevin, there's a concept called Erev Tchumen, which means that when you're camping in the forest... If you place your meal down there, you have 2,000 amas in each direction. Now let's say, instead of camping in the forest, you're camping in the forest, be like, you know what, I'd rather have my tent be over there. So you put your food over there before Shabbos. How much food do you have to place for it to be a valid Erev Tchumen, a certain amount of wheat? And hence, you're going to see the it's not lining up. Again, two cobs equals a, two weeks uh, a, a week's worth of food now here's the problem the Mishnah says how much food do you have to place down for it to be a valid air of tchumen now now is there's no specific amount it's however much you eat the average person however much they eat now it's got to be two meals worth and says rameir the meals worth is weekday meal not Shabbos meals why? Because he wants to pick the smaller amount and people eat way more on Shabbos than they do during the week. So the average lunch, two lunch meals as opposed to two Shabbos lunch meals because two Shabbos lunch meals we eat way more. So Rav Meir says there's no specific amount it's two weekday meals worth. Rav Yehuda says no, it's two Shabbos meals worth because in Rav Yehuda's location they actually ate smaller meals on Shabbos than they did during the week which is the opposite of what we do. Fine. Comes Rav Yochanan and again, I'm going to skip the math part, I'm just going to tell you the conclusion of how arts will, uh, how they get there, you could read the notes, but I'll tell you the conclusion. Rav Yochanan B'Beroka says the following words. Look, follow these words together. The amount of bread for the meal is a loaf of bread that you could purchase with a pundian, pundian was a type of coin, so a loaf of bread that you purchase with a pundian when four saw of grain is purchased for a cella, meaning when four saw of raw material equals a cella, when that happens, the amount of bread you could buy with a pundian. So it would be the equivalent of me saying uh, a loaf of bread that you could buy for ten bucks, when flour, when you could buy a pound of flour for a dollar. If a pound of flour is for a dollar, that market than the amount of loaf that you could buy for a pundian. Now, ha- what is that practically? So says, art scroll on the bottom, that is the equivalent of uh, two meals of air with a pundian, evidently maintain that half a kav. So that means that two meals is a half a kav, which means each meal is a quarter kav. And here's the problem. If you do the math, if each meal is a quarter kav, you're supplying your wife with two calves. quarter kav to two calves means eight meals. You're only giving her eight meals, right? If each meal, right, if you did the math and each meal is only a quarter kav, and you're giving her two calves, right, quarter kav to two calves is eight times. That means you're giving her eight meals worth. That's not good. So that's our mission is a problem. Then you have Reb Shimon Omer. He says it's the quantity of bread for an erev is two thirds of a loaf if you could buy three loaves for a kav. So if you could buy three loaves for a kav, so you take one of the loaves, two thirds of it, which is a ninth of a kav. So according to him, if a, if a meal is a ninth of a kav, that means that two kavs worth is 18 meals. So you got two shitas. You got eight meals and 18 meals. Neither are good. We're looking for 14. Now the, let's just finish up this mishnah. The mishnah now says again. So these are the shitas. You either have uh, the shita for an erev is either uh, each meal is a quarter kav or each meal is a ninth of a kav. And then it says chazi Half of this loaf. Again, they're arguing about the size of loaves for for erev tchumen. Whatever the size is, either you go through Yehiam or Broka, Rav Shimon, whatever it is, half of that size is the amount for, uh, for tsaras. The halacha is that if you enter a house with tsaras, if you enter a house with tsaras, you're instantly tameh, but your clothes are only tame if you stay there enough time, k'deh achilas pras, to eat a loaf of bread. What loaf of bread? A half of a loaf of whatever they say. Whatever they said regarding Erevin, cut that in half, that's a half of a loaf regarding tzaras. Half of that loaf is the size regarding making a person Tameh. If a person eats a certain amount of bread that's Tameh, or a certain amount of food that's Tameh, he becomes Tameh. What's the amount? A half of a half of a loaf. And, chatsi, 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 and a quarter, an eighth of a loaf, is like a, a, a food the size of an eighth of a loaf, is is able to transmit Tameh. Okay, fine. So here's back to the problem. Money. Who is the author of our mission? tamni havi, tamni sari havi. Here's the problem. Based on our math, Rabbi Yochanan Broka feels that a meal is considered a quarter kav, which means if you're giving your wife two kavs, you're giving her eight meals worth. And according to Rav Shimon, a meal is a ninth of a kav, which means if you're giving her two kavs, you're giving her 18 meals. You're either giving her eight or 18. That doesn't work according to anybody. So how does our Mishnah make sense? So let me explain the next part. Very simple. Not very simple, but let me explain. The way they were figuring out Rabbi Yochanan's Rav Yochan ben about a uh, quarter of a kav. It's actually very simple. You guys shop all the time. The way they were figuring it out was the amount of bread you could buy with a pundian if raw materials equal, you know, if you could buy raw materials for a dollar. Now, here's the thing they were figuring it out based on the value of raw materials. If I were to ask you the following thing, okay, you want to know how much challah is going to cost in Queen's Pizza, and I don't tell you the cost of the challah, but I tell you. You can buy flour, eggs, and water for $2. So you're going to walk into Queen's Pita and expect to have a $2 challah. No, because there is a charge, there is a surcharge for baking the challah. Rav measurements was based measurements was based on, was based on the, the, the raw dough material and then the equivalent of the challah, but they're not going to add up. So the, you actually have to change it a little bit. So, that measurement of a kav being a quarter, a meal being a quarter kav, was including the surcharge. Our sugya, you have to sort of remove the surcharge. So, you have to bump it up a quarter. So, that measurement was including, was taking into account the practical how much a, a, a loaf of bread will cost. Our sugya is not doing this. So you have to sort of adjust it. So, when Revechum Abroka said that a, a, a meal is a, a quarter kav, that was including, that was using his ratio plus the bump up from the baker. If you were to remove that, it would become bigger, right? So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. You go through Rev who said, mm-hmm. Rev Chisda said that you have to adjust a third. For the shopkeeper, the baker would add a third, a thirty-three percent surcharge. So Hachanami, Icy Tilsa So over here, you have to adjust it. So when, when according to Be'ocham and we said that it would be giving your wife eight meals, it's not eight meals because you have to add a third. If you add a third, how much is it? It is twelve. So instead of eight meals, it's twelve meals. Yeah. So, so instead of eight meals, it's twelve meals. So the Gemara says, well, "Okay, first of all." Um, twelve is still not enough, right? You have to supply your wife with seven meal, seven days of meals. Twelve is only gonna get you through Shabbos. It's not gonna it's gonna get you through Friday. It's not gonna get you through Shabbos. Right? So right now, according to this new new calculation, according to Rabbi and Viewhambroca, you're giving your wife twelve meals of, of twelve meals of, of bread a week. But what about Shabbos? So the Gemara says, they eat Shabbos together. You don't have to supply her with Shabbos because she eats Shabbos together. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Mishnah said you eat with her Friday night. So the Gemara says, when I said, when we did the Mishnah and the Mishnah said that you're supposed to eat with your wife Friday night, I said, according to some opinions, it's a euphemism that you're supposed to have relations. You don't actually have to eat together. So if you're not eating together, then she's not getting her Shabbos meal. You're only giving her 12 meals. She should get more. Also, you're not giving her Shabbos day Even if you eat together Friday night, she's just getting 13 meals. Meaning, we've now recalculated that you're giving your wife 12 meals. So that'll get her from Sunday through Friday. What about Shabbos? The answer is you eat together Friday night. And what about Shabbos Day? So she's not eating Shabbos Day, she's not eating Shabbos So the Gemara says, you know what? Go with the second version of Rav Chizda. Again, Rav Chizda's point was before that the calculation was assuming, was, was not taking into account the baker. So when in that case, you add it, and in our case, you, distract, you detract it. How much does the baker charge? So we said, according to he adds 33%. There's a different version of Rebchizda that a baker actually adds 50%. So we'll go with that version. So instead of 8 meals, you add 50% onto that, so now it becomes 16 meals. So the Gemara says, You have to add, 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 uh, add to it 8 meals. To figure out the calculation. So we have two versions of Rchizdah of how much the baker charges, either 33% or 50%. The 33% didn't work because it only got us to 12 meals a week. Let's try the 50%, which is gonna get us up to 16 meals, which is also too much. So the Gemara says, now first of all, Kasha it's a contradiction. It's just stop. did the bakers have thirty-three percent or fifty percent? So the answer is In the times of the Gemara, it's a pretty crazy thing. They would you'd bring your bread to the baker not only would they bake it you'd have to supply them with 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 wood if you supplied the wood they would only charge you 33 percent if they had to supply the wood for baking they would add it would turn up to 50%. So the two versions of Rav Chizd, of whether the baker added 33% surcharge or 50% surcharge to the raw material was also depending on whether you were supplying the wood or he was supplying the wood. Fine, so let's go with the 50%. Again, Rav Yochum broke his measure uh, cheshbin that got to a quarter kav was based on if raw materials is A and you could buy a loaf of bread of B, he, so you have to obviously take into account that they're charging. Our sugya, we're not charging. We're just going with raw materials. You're giving your wife raw materials. so now, you're giving her now 16 meals of worth of bread. That's too much. So the Gemara says, you're giving her 16 meals. There was a sheet of a that not, most people don't know about that he actually held you have to have four meals on Shabbos. Instead of shal Shudis. you'd have to have four meals. So are you following that view? Right? You're giving your wife 16 meals. Well, what's going on? 16 is way too much. The answer is, dal the answer is no. The reason why you give her 16 meals is like this you give her 15 meals for her, which is six days of the week is 12, plus is three meals is 15, so you're supplying all the meals. I, why are you giving her 16? To have a meal to offer to guests. Ramayesha Feinstein, I should check this up, Ramayesha Feinstein, tshuva says, you see from this that you're obligated to not only supply your wife with food, but you're obligated to give her enough tzedakah that she's considered not like a stingy person. So every woman would have one meal a week to potentially give to guests. So you're giving her 16 meals, 15 for herself, which includes weekday and Shavis, and an extra one meal to supply the guests. The Gemara says, is dal t'las The Gemara says, you could actually go, according to this, you can make it work with Rav Shimin. According to Rav Shimin, his calculation was that a, a kav, a meal is a ninth of a kav, which we said, if you give your wife two calves, that means you're giving her 18 meals. We said, 18 meals, why would you give her the... The answer is 15 for, for Shabbos and weekday, 3 for guests. Okay, one more line, and then we'll stop with this. Rav so the Mishnah said, he ha- you, if you give barley, it's four kav. Then Rav Yossi said, that was only Rav because he lives near Edom, and they eat a lot of barley by Edom. So the Gemara says, They only eat barley in Edom. They don't eat barley anywhere else. The answer is, The answer is, The answer is, no, barley was eaten everywhere. So what he meant was, When Rabbi Shmuel said that barley is double the quantity of flour, that was because in Rabbi Shmuel's location, the barley was awful. And it was very, very cheap quality. That's what he meant. That that was Rabbi Shmuel's chesh was dafkas. he lived near Edom. So his barley was of inferior quality. In other locations, you could give barley as an alternative, but it's not a two-to-one ratio. All right, we'll stop here and uh, pick it up tomorrow. It'll be a lot easier. Check notes at home. RECORDING am